This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Monday afternoon, August the 2nd, 2021. That's right. It is the month of August. And Charlie Potter, as we bring you in here between now and really April 5th or so, I've, I've expanded this, as you'll notice. I've expanded this. We will have college football and or college basketball for the next nine months. How's that make you feel? Nice. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people uh, with the fact that the, the NFL preseason starts this week and you have Alabama starting fall camp. Talk about how there's going to be football every week until the Super Bowl. But I like that. Yeah, because the I mean, for us, yeah, yes. basketball's big, especially now with the run that Nate Oates and, and his program have been on. Uh, just in terms of, you know, speaking selfishly, you, you can't really do vacations until well after um you know, the month of, of April because of the NCAA tournament, because of spring practice, it, it keeps rolling. Absolutely. And uh, by the way, we haven't met, we haven't spoken with each other since the 2021 NBA draft. Congratulations to Josh Primo. He keeps the Alabama lottery pick thing going, going number 12 overall to pop and the Spurs and also Herb Jones, early second round selection by the New Orleans Pelicans, so there'll be a sense of familiarity there for him with Kyra Lewis already down in the Crescent City. I'd say some nice recruiting ammo for Nate Oates as he continues to move forward on the recruiting trail. Yeah, even though John Petty didn't hear his name called, you know, Nate Oates still said it was a great night for the program, and it was. You know, I'm sitting there fully invested in the lottery because my Orlando Magic had two picks <laughs> in the top eight. And so I'm still living off of the, the high of Jalen Suggs falling in number five whenever the 12th pick rolls around. And I was just shocked that Josh Primo came off the board. Now, you know, the, the Spurs, they tend to draft a little unorthodox. I know they've had great success with the draft with the uh, the players they've been able to get in their program and then obviously win uh, championships. But um, it seemed like a little bit of a, a swing for the fences for them. And, and it says a lot, I think, about what they thought of Primo um, because he's a guy that obviously you know, with the NBA combine started to uh, – that was maybe the peak of his ascent because his name was one that was starting to generate a lot of buzz throughout the draft process. And then he did a, a nice job up in Chicago – and then, you know, kind of pulled out of some workouts, maybe signifying and signaling what he thought, um, you know, he accomplished and where he stood. And, you know, he said it. And of course, you know, players can say a lot of things after the fact, but he said he always was, wanted to be a spur. He told his agent that. So maybe it's something that he felt was going to happen. But still, for, for him to go 12th 
great news for Alabama to be able to have back-to-back years with lottery picks is huge. Really, you know, three of the last four years to have a lottery pick and, and for them to be guards and the way that guards are used in NATO's offense is huge. And then, you know, for, for Herb Jones to go 35th to the Pelicans to team back up with Kyra Lewis, that seems like a, a good fit. And, you know, NATO's was adamant in saying that he thought there were some players that came off the board before Herb that aren't as good as Herb. And, you know, time will tell. I think Herb Jones can be a, a good pro and, and have a long career. But, um, you know, going to a New Orleans team that, you know, they're going to have some some turnover. They obviously have Zion Williamson there, but, you know, Lonzo Ball is a free agent and, uh, you know, maybe he can make some noise down in the Crescent City. Yeah, with Herb, it's still all about what's his ceiling on the offensive end because, you know, defensively, you love to get this guy into the NBA as a part of your team because of his versatility on the defensive end and the dogged nature with which, uh, he plays on that end of the four. So big night for the Alabama men's basketball team in the NBA draft. Speaking of getting paid, we usually associate paydays with Monday, uh, Fridays, excuse me. But on this Monday, some big news as well, not so much news, I guess, because this had been thought to be a mere formality, especially where Nick Saban was concerned with the compensation meeting of the UA Board of Trustees rubber stamping some deals on Monday afternoon, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, it, it was something that's, that's been known for a while now. There were some more details that came out, though. So the, the Board of Trustees Compensation Committee officially approved Nick Saban's contract extension, which will run through uh, February of 2029. So that's the 2028 season. And while his base salary, which is kind of laughable at this point, won't increase, it's, it's $275,000. <laughs> his, uh, his talent fee, which will be the beginning, um, $8.425 million, will increase to $11.225 million for the last year of his contract. So essentially when you take that talent fee and base salary into account for that last year of his current contract, which you and I have spoken that you know he'll probably get maybe another extension or a lifetime contract at some point. But currently the last year of his contract, just base salary and talent fee alone be eleven and a half million dollars. It's a nice chunk of change there for for Nick Saban. And you know, um, there were a lot of head coaches that got new contracts. I believe ten other head coaches, which included Brad Bohannon from baseball, uh, Christy Curry from women's basketball. Um, I think Patrick Murphy. Yeah. Murph was in there, Dana Duckworth, women's and men's golf, men's and women's tennis, uh, rowing, track and field. I may be leaving somebody out, but there were 10 other head coaches that got, um, you know, contract extensions. And then Antoine Petway got another one. You know, he'll be with the men's basketball program through uh, the middle of 2023 with his salary going to $335,000. And the one that, um, you know, is the only new hire of the group is Drew Sabota, the special team slash tight ends coach for the football team. And, um, you know, he was a guy that came in in April. So when they met in, I believe it was March, the compensation committee, they approved the, the four new assistant coaches for football. Well, Savota came in in the middle of the spring and now his contract is approved through February of 2023 and he'll make a, um, annual salary of $450,000. So not a ton of news, but again, it's, you know, Nick Saban's contract, uh, just looking at it, it's, it's pages and pages of, 
words and numbers, but uh, I, I think Alabama fans are happy to, to see it. They probably think he's underpaid, and I don't think there was any hesitation when watching the, the live stream of the, the board's meeting uh, via video conference. I don't think there was any hesitation for them to, to quickly approve that one. Yeah, I would say Nick Saban's deal right now, when you consider Power 5 athletics and even professional sports, might very well be the the best deal in in all of sports right now when you consider the accomplishments. And I was half joking with this post in the thread with the extension news that you had on the roundtable there for our subscribers at BamaOnline.com. I think we're at the point, Charlie, where maybe the damn SEC ought to chime in, ought to ought to throw in for next deal. I mean, when you look at the the projections for the SEC. With Texas and Oklahoma in it in a couple of years, they're talking about a billion, $1.3 billion per year potentially in revenues for the Southeastern Conference with Texas and Oklahoma. And you say, well, what has he got to do with Texas and Oklahoma? Well, Nick Saban has a lot to do with the SEC becoming the power broker in all of collegiate athletics. Sorry, Big Ten. It is now the Southeastern Conference, and especially when you consider the addition of Oklahoma and Texas, and let's say 12, 15 years ago. You think Oklahoma and Texas would have been as fired up about joining the SEC back around 2006? I would think they might have been more fired up about the Pac-12 because you had Pete Carroll at USC doing a fraction of what Nick Saban has done during his time at Alabama. So it might be time for the folks over in Birmingham, Charlie, to maybe kick in a little bit for Nick's Nick's deal, which is again, I I don't know. I I, I don't know of another deal in sports at this level uh, that's as employer friendly. I, I think if Nick Saban wanted twenty million dollars annually today, if you're the University of Alabama, you say, Nick, give us the routing and tracking numbers. And uh, we're good to go. What do you what do you think of that, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, I think you could almost if if you're the board of trustees in those meetings and a lot of these in the last year or so have been done virtually. If if, say if you're in this current setting, you can almost turn your your Zoom account on mute uh, and not hear anything and just nod your head. Whatever number they throw out, (laughs) they would they would approve. And I mean, when you were talking about the SEC, I mean, now in the era of name, image and likeness. You can almost have one of those deals with Nick Saban where the SEC is is their spokesperson. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a deal that when it was initially announced, it was a no brainer. And now, I mean, it it looks better for Nick Saban, but it's one that, yeah, if you're Alabama, you don't argue with at all. Yeah, I think if you're the SEC, maybe even the state of Alabama, you ought to you ought to chip in. I mean, it's not just it goes beyond sports. And I, I look, I know this comes off as hype hyperbole to some people, but I I don't know if we still are able to accurately uh, put a number on on what this program's uh, dynasty has has been able to do in terms of extended benefit to people, not only at the University of Alabama, not only in the Southeastern Conference, the state in general, it's uh, you, you can't numerate, you can't put a number on it, I don't think. So there you go. The compensation committee takes care of that on Monday afternoon. Other than that, we've got the start of fall camp coming up at Alabama later this week, Charlie. I'm 
feeling pretty excited about it. I went out and did a couple laps around the quad this morning. <laughs> I stood at the foot of venerable Denny Chimes. My reporting weight, I'd say, not bad. Probably a little better than the last couple of years. Of course, there was no reporting weight for us last year. So I guess we've got a reason to be extra excited about the start of this fall camp, although we're still getting details, right, on exactly what the schedule is going to look like and, you know, what our coverage schedule at Alabama at BOL is going to look like. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, going on reporting weight, I'm I'm probably have to go through a physical to see if I can even make the cut at this point. Uh, got to run those 110s. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we got a Peloton earlier this year and then I like it, but, um, I've been, <laughs> I will say the, the year of quarantine and just of being at home was not good to me. It's probably not good for my mental health either. Uh, so I'll be glad to get back out there and to, you know, go actually to, to Malmore and be up in the media room and, you know, do in-person interviews and be able to go to practice. And that's the way it sounded. That's the way that it looks to be going, at least in terms of what we'll be able to get. You're right. I mean, we haven't had a or haven't received a media schedule yet. We're probably going to get that at any moment now, maybe even while we're on this podcast. Yeah, we'll we'll real time that if we need to, and if if we don't, it, you, you'll you'll see it quickly at BOL. But we should be able to be at back at practice, probably not on a, as much of a routine and regular basis as before. You know, say it rains in Tuscaloosa, which when is it not raining in Tuscaloosa over the last month? And we probably won't be in the indoor facility. And um, I don't think we're going to have an open practice like we've had in, in past years because we know there's no fan day. So I think that aspect of media day is gone. But we'll still get Nick Saban. We'll still get the coordinators. We'll still get players. I think you know, I'd, I'd be surprised if Bryce Young doesn't come up day one when players come up. So it, it should be you know a lot of news, a lot of um, you know, live updates on the message board and, and things like that. We'll, we'll have plenty to, to do. It's just we don't know exactly what days it will be on yet. Yeah, there's always been the routine, right? Nick's kids, uh, the, the 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 annual sort of get-together at the zone over at Bryant-Denny Stadium. I'm not sure if that's still going to be in play, Charlie. And then uh, report date has kind of become antiquated through the years because essentially players these days, they report the week after Memorial Day going into early June as much as anything else. But Fall camp practices anyway, set to get underway on Friday over off Bryant Drive. Is that still kind of the, the the schedule that we're anticipating, or could there be some changes to that? No, I think like the the official unofficial report date for players is Thursday, and then yeah, their first day of practice will be Friday. Uh, we should be able to go out to that. I don't know if Nick Saban will speak to us afterwards. You know, he usually does, but again, it's not going to be a normal media schedule. Uh, we will be in person with him and he'll be up at the podium. We'll be able to pass the mic around. So that'll be nice. I think he could probably, it's been a while since he's really gotten mad at one of us. So to be back in person, <laughs> i time for that. But um, yeah, I, I think that it should be practice Friday and then beyond that TBD. There you go. But I can promise you this, we'll have you covered from start to finish right there with us at BamaOnline.com. Charlie, something I wanted to get into with you on today's podcast, we're going to do six areas of emphasis for fall camp 2021. Charlie's going to get you through three on offense. We'll discuss those as we move along. We'll alternate. I'll have three on defense. And Charlie, since I dominated you so thoroughly in the 2021 roster draft, <laughs> I believe I did that courtesy. Did I have the first pick in that? I think I did. 
or maybe you did on offense. You did on offense. I had okay. it. Okay. Well, well, I'm going to let you get us going with, uh, the first of your three after that. I mean, that precision that I displayed in that player <laughs> draft, you know, Charlie, I thought it was just, uh, you know, it was next level. I should be, I should be in a war room somewhere in the national football league after that performance. But in all seriousness, Charlie, we'll let you get us going with, uh, your first of three areas of emphasis for the Alabama offense. What do you got for us? Right. Well, first of all, um, I have just like a legal pad sitting here beside the, the old laptop and the old one, you know, when it, you get done, you throw it away, but I tore out the, the draft because I was proud. <laughs> so I think that's, <laughs> that's some you're debating, thing. you're debating yeah. the, the outcome of that. Well, it, wait and see, right? Well, yeah, I, you yeah. know why, you know why Charlie tore that, tore that piece of paper out? He'll want to revisit that maybe later. That's why he's exactly. holding on to that for revisitation maybe come January or February, I'm guessing. Exactly, exactly. But like the one of the tricky things about that was the offensive line because we didn't know exactly what it would look like whenever practice opens up, you know, this week and um for me I think that's that's kind of where it starts is just the offensive line in general. Of course we know there's three starters gone from last year. And two are back, and Evan Neal and, and Emil Echior. And in the spring, Evan Neal moved from right tackle to left tackle. It looks like Emil Echior is going to be at right guard. And um, you assume that Chris Owens will step in at center. That's where he ended last year, stepping in in place of an injured Landon Dickerson. He has experience there in the past, even though I think a young guy like Darian Dalcourt um, is maybe the future of the position. I think Chris Owens could be penciled in as the starter at center. And then at SEC Media Days, we learned from Nick Saban that you know he views Javion Cohen, who's in his second year, as a likely starter at left guard. And that's not usually something Nick Saban says. That's not verbiage that he usually throws out there. So to get a little bit of a glimpse of the depth chart uh, was really nice at SEC Media Days, to be honest. So you have what looks to be a starting four in place, and then now you have to figure out who's going to be the right tackle. And I think if they were to play in a game today, Kendall Randolph, the fifth-year senior, who's kind of been that pseudo tight end the last couple of years, you know, he's a guy that I think you know, could be the the starter if they were to play a game tonight. But I think there's going to be competition there throughout throughout camp. You look at a guy like Damian George, who we saw work there in the spring, uh, just a massive human being. It's it's hard not to see number seventy-four on the field, uh, even when you're not looking for him. And then you know you have the two freshmen, J uh, C Latham's a guy that. Worked with at right tackle in the spring. You know, Tommy Brockermeyer was maybe more on the left side, backing up Evan Neal. So maybe give the edge to Latham. But you have you know two of the top tackles or the two top tackles from the 2021 class on campus, having gone through spring and now ready to compete for you know a possible starting job. So I think right tackle for me is uh, is one of the key points of emphasis for camp and really just the offensive line as a whole for them to gel together as a unit. There's options. Maybe behind some of those guys, Tommy Brown, you saw some first team reps at, at guard. I think Pierce Quick is finally healthy and you know, they have, you know, a good amount of depth there, maybe not so much at tackle. So I think that's why right tackle and what happens on that right side of the offensive line will be you know, really intriguing to see how it plays out in the fall camp. You know, it was interesting in the spring because whereas you look at the roster and you think, man, they have a ton of guys on the inside, they really didn't by a day. You know, they had a number of guys at those interior spots that didn't take part in the spring game, whether you're talking about Darian Dahlcourt, Pierce Quick, Emil Echior. So part of that leads me to think, 
well, if they had a couple of those three guys available, who's to say it wouldn't have been Damian George starting the game at right tackle or starting the scrimmage at right tackle, maybe even Tommy Brown, as you outlined, who has experience at the tackle position as well. So, yeah, I think you laid out a number of candidates and with good reason, because I think legitimately you can talk about four, five, six guys maybe still in that mix at the right tackle position. I'm in full agreement that if they played today, Kendall Randolph would absolutely make the most sense. The guy who continues to intrigue me the most, maybe of all the candidates that we talked about, is Damian George and how he continues to sort of get himself in a position probably more from a conditioning standpoint to be able to sustain over the course of 60 minutes. I think that's maybe his biggest issue or it was going into the summer. Uh, could he hold up, you know, from a conditioning standpoint, stamina wise for four quarters. So a lot of different ways that thing could still go Charlie. And I guess you could say even into the season, a month into the season, uh, JB and Cohen's also got tackle experience. Uh, you know, so it is. It's it's interesting to consider. Also, Charlie, something of interest, too, is that as much as we've talked about that 2019 recruiting class on the offensive line, and even this most recent one for 2021, could be a couple of starters from that less heralded 2020 group in JV and Cohen and Damian George. Yeah, that is pretty wild to think about uh, because it wasn't just a stellar offensive line class. You look at – you have to scroll – down the list of that 2020 class to, to get to the offensive line. And, and, um, you know, they're, they're big dudes. Uh, Damian George came in at, at, uh, six, six and a half and 348 pounds. He looks every bit of that, if not more, um, you know, Cohen's a big dude too. And, you know, Seth McLaughlin, you know, he's a guy that we've seen on the field in some reserve situations. So it is an unheralded group, but, I think that, you know, we will, first of all, we've seen JV and Cohen really step up and, and be uh, a likely starter. You know, I think I did the, the post spring depth chart and I had Tommy Brown there just cause he's been in the program longer. We saw both of those guys there, but you know, it wouldn't shock me at all uh, to see Cohen do what he, what he's done. And so, you know, you, you look at just the, if you have tackles the size of Evan Neal and Damian George, um, you know, they, they can move some. And some they lots. like size. We know that. Exactly. I mean, yeah. they like big, big dudes up front. But at the same time, in that same breath, you J.C. Latham's not a slouch when it comes no. to <laughs> He's, he's no. a big boy. And uh, I, I think that, you know, those two are the most intriguing to me just to mm-hmm. see kind of how that will play out. Because, you know, J.C. Latham's listed at 6'6", uh, 325. And you have you know, a couple of five-star guys from IMG. Uh, there and we've seen what Alabama has done from a recruiting standpoint with recruiting linemen from IMG and we've seen you know now you have uh, you know John Gruden from the Raiders you know tweeting or having quotes about offensive tackles from Alabama um, it, to have a guy like JC Latham paired beside Evan Neal is just another recruiting win is you can come in and play early uh, on the offensive line in Alabama so uh, the the good news is is in the spring we talked a lot about the lack of depth and maybe options at tackle, but just with Randolph, George and Latham alone, I think that's three solid choices to, you know, see how they battle out in camp. Okay. As far as my initial contribution to this list from the offensive side of the ball, or excuse me, the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go competition at corner and not just at corner. I'll throw sub packages in there. 
where the secondary is concerned. And when we talk about corner opposite Josh Job, the list of candidates pretty obvious at this point. Kool-Aid McKinstry, uh, Kyrie Jackson coming in from the junior college level, Marcus Banks, uh, a program veteran at this point, uh, and then the guy who finished spring drills with the first group, Jalen Armour Davis. So nice mix there of both fresh five-star cop and who knows what Terry and Arnold might be able to do uh, at different spots in that secondary as a as a true freshman as well. But uh, I'll go with competition at corner. And also, I think the sub packages could still be interesting. Malachi Moore was really good at the star position, but we really haven't seen him on the field since the 10th game of the season last year. So 11th game, the SEC championship game, uh, and then throughout spring ball as well. So Brian Branch got some legitimate uh, big time experience at both the star and money positions in those sub packages. So I'll go competition at corner and sub DB spots, Charlie, for my first offering on this list. Yeah, I think corner is going to be really uh, fascinating to see how it plays out just because, you know, Jalen Armour Davis looked really good this spring. Um, you know, he pretty much went wire to wire working with the ones. And I think he's carried that over into the summer, but you continue to hear about Kool-Aid. You know, he's a guy that, and just talking to people uh, over the course of the summer has, has continued to impress. Um, he did that in the spring. And you can kind of tell, um, you know, Nick Saban spends a little more time with him and on him. And that's usually indicative of a guy that Nick Saban sees potential in, especially at the cornerback uh, position, which is his baby. So I think that Kool-Aid is a guy that if, if he saw the field and made an impact this year, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, you know, I, I don't, I think, again, you know, we talk about if Alabama were to play a game today, I think five would be there. Jalen Armour Davis would be in the starting lineup. But I think that, con- that competition is going to continue throughout uh, fall camp and probably throughout the season. And I think that's good for Alabama because you know, you know what you have in Josh Job. You know, he proved to be a consistent performer last year. Of course, you you know you want to see him um, knock off some of the, the offsides penalty and the goal line. But that was really one of the only knocks on his game last year. Uh, I think he started to play within himself and, and be more consistent both physically and mentally. Um, but if you can have strong competition opposite him, that's huge. You know, replacing a guy like Patrick Sertan, who has just been lining it up at Broncos uh, training camp. If if you can have a young guy like Kool-Aid push a veteran who hasn't seen a lot of first team reps in Jalen Armour Davis, that's big. And uh, I also think Kyrie Jackson, like you said, I mean, he's worth mentioning. And then Terry and Arnold, you mentioned the sub packages. He seems like a guy that could be cut from that same Minka Fitzpatrick, Ronnie Harrison cloth and could see playing time maybe in the slot as a true freshman. Now, Malachi Moore and Brian Branch are going to be tough to keep off the field. And I think they are your star in money. But at this point, in what order? Because we saw last year where Brian Branch early on in preseason camp was the guy at star. I think he got maybe a little banged up or maybe dealt with some COVID issues. And then, you know, that opened the door for Malachi Moore. You have the flip side of that now. We've talked about this a lot where uh, Malachi Moore has been injured since last season. Uh, he should be good to go for camp and everything like that. But then you have Brian Branch got all those reps at the end of the season through the college football playoff and in the spring. So, yeah, I mean, they're in good shape everywhere but i think like you said competition is going to be i think it's going to be maybe at a premium in camp and it should be fun to watch yeah it's not a question if you notice a lot of what we're talking about are areas of emphasis because really when you look at this team 
I still, even with the attrition on the offensive side of the ball, I don't know if if it qualifies as questions when you're as talented as Alabama will continue to be in 2021. Just areas of emphasis. And with that, Charlie, before we head to our first break, our, our only break here on the latest edition of the Bama Online Podcast, shoot us another area of emphasis for the Alabama offense for fall camp 2021. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned questions. I still do have questions about the wide receiver position. You have John Mechie coming back. He should be the number one receiver. I don't think there's anyone doubting that. We saw what Slade Bolden was able to do stepping in for Jalen Waddell uh, during and after the Tennessee game. And, you know, we've seen Javon Baker work pretty consistently with the ones, especially going into the summer. Um, but they're going to need other guys to step up. And my question is, who are those players? And it looks like it's going to be a lot of the newcomers. You, know, you had um, you know, three freshmen on campus this spring and Ja'Cory Brooks and Ajay Hall and Christian Leary. And uh, you know, we saw what Ajay Hall was able to do in the A-Day game. And it sounds like he's done some of the same things over the summer. He and Christian Leary have maybe turned it on here of late. And then Jamison Williams, the wide receiver from Ohio State, um, probably buried it a little bit and one of the stories i wrote from sec media days it was really about all of the new receivers because john mechie said that his confidence is quote through the roof uh for this new wide receiver core but both he and nick saban had good things to say about Jamison williams and i know that you know you still uh, shed a tear every now and then for losing keelan robinson but uh nick saban said Jameson Williams got that juice and uh, I think that's oh. what they need at that position the speed and the the downfield threat and I think Jameson Williams is uh, maybe evolving and is stepping into that role so I, I just think for me the question is you know can these young guys keep it up you know can they do it when the lights are brightest can they do it in the opening game against Miami and Atlanta um because you know Bryce Young is going to need some help they have so many guys leaving this offense in terms of skill players that you're going to have to need guys around Mechie and Bolden to step up. You know, Baker, Holden, all these young players are going to have to be consistent and they're going to have to perform and produce. And uh, right now it looks like they're capable of that, but we haven't seen it in a live game yet. Yeah, you know, I know listeners of this podcast, God bless them. Bless you folks that do this. Uh, and also and also readers of the content over there at BamaOnline.com, they probably are just tired of me harping on the explosive play production that has to be um, backfilled for. But you know how many plays of 10 yards or more Alabama averaged per game a year ago? 21. 21 plays of 10 yards or more per game. So what Charlie just said, between the guys on the outside at the receiver positions and also Najee Harris uh, at running back, once every third play last season, Alabama sprung one, sprung a play for 10 yards or more. So it's not just the wide receiver position either. It's okay if Brian Robinson is your number one guy going into the season, have we seen enough from him to think, well, Najee wasn't exactly a guy who piled up 40 yard plus plays. But damn, if he didn't just amass a ton of runs or catches in that 12 to 15 yard range, Brian Robinson going to be that kind of guy, or is it going to have to come from Chase McClellan, Roy Dell Williams? Uh, you know, hopefully a healthy Trey Sanders is someone who can impact that department. It, it that's what it goes back to for me anyway, Charlie. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not mentioning the running backs because I think it is a position of strength, but that is a question. And, you know, I think the the benefit of the, the passing game and having these young receivers and breaking in a new quarterback, who we'll talk about later, um, is the fact that you have a bunch of running backs and talented backs coming back and you have those tight ends to lean on. I think that takes some of the pressure off of the wide receiving core. Um, and I do think that I, I don't know if Brian Robinson can be what Najee Harris was last year, but you do have uh, McClellan and Wendell Williams and Trey Sanders who can be those receivers out of the backfield. Now, you know, Najee Harris was great at that. And uh, that's something I know you can, you can see the interviews that he's doing in Pittsburgh. Now he gets tired of talking about it because he, who used to work at receiver and he's done that throughout his career at Alabama. And, um, you know, maybe people are just seeing the for, for, for the first time, but I, I do think that those younger backs can bring that same dimension to this offense. And that's where they can really be utilized. Of course, they'll be, you know, given the ball as well to run it. But the fact that Trey Sanders, we saw him, you know, run rounds last year, we've seen guys the like McClellan and Williams do it in the spring. I think that can help. Because, you know, these young receivers, while I think they're talented, they're not going to come in and be Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith and Henry Ruggs like we saw in the 2017 season. I don't think we'll ever see that again. So there might be a little bit of adjustment period. But having those other guys around them in other positions will take a little bit of the pressure off of them. And I think that can be beneficial for the offense and for Bryce Young. Yeah, Kamar Wheaton is a guy that even if you watch his high school tape, he shows you as a receiver. Uh, he can turn those quick touches, those easy touches, into explosive plays. Going to take a break here on the Bama Online Podcast. When we come back, three more areas of emphasis for the Alabama Crimson side in 2021 fall camp. We'll do that with Charlie Potter and myself, Travis Schreier, when the BOL pod returns right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast, the Monday of the start of fall camp 2021 at the University of Alabama. Charlie Potter and myself, we're breaking down six areas of emphasis. Charlie's got three for us on offense. I've got three on defense. I'm up on D, Charlie, so here we go. My next one, to go along with the competition at corner and in those sub-package roles in the secondary, I'm wondering exactly how dominant this front seven might prove to be. I guess it's more of a uh, talking point for the actual season itself, but I think we're going to get a good idea as fall camp progresses. The addition of Henry Toa Toa at the inside linebacker position to go along with Christian Harris and another really solid veteran and Jalen Moody. And that's before you talk about what Alabama brings back on the edges there at outside linebacker and up front. I think it has a chance to be a dominant group, especially on early downs. I think what we're going to be waiting to see more from those guys is tackle for loss production, quarterback hurries, quarterback pressures, interior pass rush. You know, when I look at those four linebacker spots, Charlie, I don't think, 
I don't think it's out of line to think that each of those four primary guys, if they stay healthy, can be 10-plus tackle for loss guys in 2021. But when you look up front, Fedarian Mathis, a preseason All-SEC selection, Tim Smith, a young player who is expected to really take another big step in his second year in the program. DJ Dale has played a ton of football. Brian Ray trying to answer the injury question that has hounded him over the last several years. So dominance, how dominant can this group really be when you talk about this Alabama front seven? And I guess for me, sort of the defensive version of what we talk about so much on offense with explosive plays, negative plays uh, for this Alabama front seven. Now, I mean, I agree with you about the the linebacking core. I think 10 tackles for loss for each of those guys is definitely feasible. And I think that would be really good for this defense. I think the linebackers uh, can be the best linebacking core in the nation. I don't think that's that far fetched of a statement, but you know, the success of the edge rushers and the inside linebackers, can hinge on the production of the defensive front. I think I like what Alabama returns uh, along the defensive line. I think they have a true six-man rotation, if not more guys working their way in there. Um, you, you said it. You have three guys entering their third year in the program who have played a ton of football in DJ Dale and Justin Aboigby and Byron Young, but they haven't been that consistent. Um, you know, DJ Dale's dealt with injuries. You know, Boigby's been there, but he hasn't produced maybe the the types of tackles for loss that uh, you would want. Um, Byron Young has shown flashes of that, but again, it's been a little inconsistent. So I look at guys like, you know, Fidarian Mathis, who was arguably Alabama's most consistent defensive lineman last year. Um, you know, he's he, he chose to come back for his fifth season, and I think, you know, he can be a big part of that defensive front. Um, LeBron Ray, if he can stay healthy, We've seen what he can do from a pass rushing standpoint, and he could be huge for this defensive front and defense as a whole. I think, like you said, with Tim Smith, you know, taking that next step this year, he was disruptive in the you know small um, sample size we saw of him last year. Maybe you know he sees more reps and he gets more opportunities, and that produces more tackles for loss. But those guys are going to have to make up for what they lose uh, in Christian Barmore, who, especially toward the end of the season, was just. Um, wreaking havoc on the field. So I I don't really have any questions or concerns about the linebacking core. I'll be interested to see what happens opposite Christian Harris between Henry Toa Toa and Jalen Moody. I don't think that's quite over yet. But for the defensive line, they just have to be consistent and be productive. And if they can do that, then, yeah, this defense and this linebacking core can be otherworldly. I really think they can be. Yeah, TFL numbers – may not matter as much for the front if these linebackers do what we think they're capable of doing and they're able to stay healthy over the course of the season. They may do enough in terms of negative plays to compensate for whatever else Alabama gets from the front or even the back end of that defense. So uh, it's a very intriguing, interesting angle to consider for this Alabama defense and uh some really solid guys but yeah we are kind of waiting to see is there a quinnon williams deron Payne type of war daddy in that mix all right charlie your third and final contribution to the six areas of emphasis for alabama in 2021 fall camp is i mean it wouldn't be a, a podcast preview in fall camp without talking about the quarterback and um again it's, this one isn't really a, a question i think you know nick saban's made it pretty clear that that bryce young is the guy 
And, um, you know, it sounds like throughout the summer, he's taken all the first team reps. Uh, that's what we saw in the spring. And, uh, you know, Paul Tyson's been the two, uh, consistently there with the twos. So, you know, I, I think that we have to continue to see Bryce Young be a leader. Um, you know, we have to see him uh, be aggressive. And we've talked about it before in this podcast, going out against a Miami team that's going to be fired up. Um, you know, he's going to have to produce quickly and, and often. And, you know, with all these new uh, weapons, you have to gel with them. I think, you know, he's, he's probably done a good job of that. And then you have to get the backups ready, too. Um, you know, we've, we've seen what happens when a guy goes down, what happened with Tua Tonga-Vailoa just a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, I, I think that Paul Tyson's made strides in the program. It sounds like he's had a really good summer. Um, you know, Jalen Miller is a guy that seems to have all the ability in the world, but is still a young and raw player. Um, they have to get those guys ready as well. So the quarterback position is just continuing to chug away to get those mental and physical reps and to, you know, continue to learn you know, a new system, really. It's going to be Alabama's offense. It's going to be their system. But there's going to be some new wrinkles with, um, you know, Bill O'Brien. And there's just, for me, I want to see it live and in person. Because we only saw the 8A game. And the 8A game is a watered-down version. The quarterbacks can't even, you know, run around. I want to see, you know, when the bullets are flying, what Bryce Young is able to do with a fully healthy you know, first team offense with that first team offensive line intact with all these receivers with Brian Robinson, guys that weren't available in the eight day game, what he can do. And, um, you know, I heard good things, but, you know, I'm looking forward to September 4th just to see, you know, how that you know, looks live and in color. Yeah. You almost feel for Bill O'Brien a little bit because he sort of missed that wave when it comes to the wide receivers <laughs> and Najee Harris. But, I will be interested again. I know I'm explosive play guy, but yards per attempt for guys like Tua Tonga Vailoa and Mac Jones over this three year run since 2017, 2018, I guess, 18, 19, and then last season. I mean, you're talking about guys that lived around 11 yards per attempt. That's a hell of a uh, per completion number for some quarterbacks, but that's what they average per attempt. And, you know, can this offense with Bryce Young stepping in there with so many new faces at wide receiver, uh, also the running back position turning over, you know, can they be anywhere close to that neighborhood? Something with Bryce you're going to have to factor in, though, more so, and touched on this with the 8A rules, is how he impacts things with his legs. And it's going to be a different dynamic, for sure, than what we've seen with Tua uh, in Mac the last three seasons and his ability to not only extend plays, but extend possessions, third and six, third and seven. And he can go get eight, 10, 12 yards uh, with his feet if that's what it comes down to. And I think, though, where Bill O'Brien is probably licking his chops, Charlie, is that he's coming down from the National Football League where it was exceptionally hard, where it is exceptionally difficult to create mismatches with your personnel, even with the departures of Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Najee. I bet Bill O'Brien looks at this roster that he's inherited and in sort of doing some early scout work on some opponents for the upcoming season, Miami, sure, right there at the top of that list. He, he's thinking we, we still can do a lot of things with these guys uh, and get some great mismatches. The rule changes, too, between NFL and college. You're telling Bill O'Brien that you can 
run RPO stuff that allows linemen to block three, three and a half yards downfield. Uh, I think we tend to look at it from the angle of the personnel moving on, but for Bill O'Brien coming down from the NFL, um, now, where there's no shortage of offensive advantages, I understand that. But at the college level, there's even more. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And, you know, I mean, the rules are different, but he has been working with a quarterback that has that RPO ability and is a dual threat in uh, Deshaun Watson. And I think that's going to be good for Bryce Young because you mentioned his athletic ability. I mean, it's, it's different than Mac Jones. And, uh, you know, Tua had that ability to tuck it and run. I mean, he outrun or outran um, LSU's entire defense on a bum knee. <laughs> but Bryce Young is more electric than that, too. He even said it himself whenever he was back in Tuscaloosa and talking about his running ability. But I do think that the personnel around him, while there is still maybe question marks about the wide receivers, I think they're coming into their own. But then, you know, you add in Jaleel Billingsley and, and Cameron Latou. You know, Billingsley is a matchup nightmare for teams. Um, you have a full stable of backs that – you know, can be one of the best in the conference. Um, there are playmakers at wide receiver. If Jamison Williams uh, is what he's been in the, the summertime, you know, he's a true downfield threat. And John Mechie proved to be that, uh, you know, this past year. And there's some young guys that are doing some good things. So I do think that Bill O'Brien does have um, still plenty of weapons at his disposal. I'm sure he would have liked to have a guy like Najee Harris and you know Jalen Waddle and, and Devontae Smith and really an experienced quarterback like Mac Jones. But, you know, Bryce Young was highly regarded for as a recruit. Um, Nick Saban has continued to say nothing but good things about him. And uh, I think the offense will be fine. It might take a little bit of time for them to really um, be a cohesive unit. Maybe they're a little you know shaky in that first game uh, against Miami, but I, I think they'll get it rolling. You like you some Jamison Williams based on what we're hearing and what you're hearing, it sounds like. So they come out, let's say they come out in uh, 12 personnel against Miami, which of course is one back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. You got Jamison Williams on the field with John Mechie in that look, or are you going to still think maybe Slade Bolden if they come out in that? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on when it is in the game. I don't, I don't know if Jamison Williams will be a starter game one. Eleven uh, personnel, though, you feel really good about three wides. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, I think the the first team has consistently been Mechie, Bolden, and Javon Baker. I think if they play okay. today, that's what it would be. But I think Jamison Williams is going to play a lot. Um, you know, I I had heard good things about him in the summertime, and then when Nick Saban. You said that in Hoover, talking about the speed and the the juice that he brings uh, to the offense, that just kind of further cemented that because everything that you've said about explosive plays, Jamison Williams brings that to the table. And uh, yeah, he's a true track guy. You know, that's what they've been lacking. He talked about it in the spring is how uh, I think he said speed kills on the highway and on the football field. And you know, losing guys like Waddle, even Devontae Smith, um, you know, they need to replace that. And it sounds like Jamison Williams is providing that. Maybe a guy like Christian Leary, maybe a young guy like JoJo Earl, but uh, Jamison Williams definitely the most has been a guy that has been a downfield threat and could be that this fall. My final submission on these uh, three areas of emphasis for the Alabama defense in 2021 fall camp, something else we won't see play out until we get into uh, game action, but you know, when you consider what we talked about earlier with the 
competition, the good problems that Alabama has at corner and in the sub packages and even at safety, uh, if you want to go from there. Uh, and then looking at this front seven and its potential to really be a problem for opposing offenses. You know, Alabama on third downs defensively has been pretty middle of the pack the last couple of years. And we've heard Nick Saban refer to on multiple occasions, especially in the last year or so. Stops over stats is what he's been harping on as much as anything. So is Alabama going to be that defense on third down that Alabama fans had grown accustomed to seeing before the last few years? I got to think that'll be the case. Um, And when you get into third down, as we know, Charlie, you start talking about Dime Rabbits personnel. How does Alabama build that? Christopher Allen, Will Anderson, you would think, certainly a part of that package. Uh, Do they go with just sort of a three-man front with, let's say, uh, a Tim Smith perhaps on the nose? Maybe you got LeBron Ray in there in some form or fashion, Fedarian Mathis. And then at the linebacker level, typically in the dime, you see just one inside linebacker stay on the field. But I think with Christian Harris and whether it's Henry Toa Toa, Jalen Moody, there's a potential to keep a couple of those guys out there. Third down in general, you know, how this defense looks and then how it executes from the different type of looks it'll be able to present. It's going to it's going to have the opportunity to be very multiple uh, in the in the third down looks it gives to offenses. Yeah, I mean, you just listen to Nick Saban talk about the defense. I mean, last year, he was talking about the offensive evolution, and, and uh, Alabama led the SEC in scoring defense last year and gave up nearly 20 points a game. He talked about how it's evolved, but it has focused more on stops, whether it's you know getting off the field on third down or you know forcing, forcing turnovers and getting the ball back to the offense. I mean, that's been you know, key points of emphasis for this defense. And even though they are replacing a couple of key pieces, I think this defense can be better. Uh, in 2021 and i will be interested to see how they go about figuring out that dime rabbits look because it's hard to take any four of those linebackers off the field in my opinion and i I know they have some good depth uh at outside linebacker you know we saw some good things from chris braswell in the in the spring drew sanders is a guy i think the coaching staff is is high on you maybe get a guy like king lakuta back in the fold if he chooses to come out of the uh, ncaa transfer portal but you know, with Allen and Anderson and Harris and, you know, most likely Toa Toa, how do you take one of those guys off the field? And then, you know, the defensive line, like we were talking about, they don't have that war daddy up front. Um, you know, do you just leave maybe a Tim Smith or a LeBron Ray or a Phil Mathis and just let those wide receivers or the, the um, outside linebackers get after it? You know, that, that seems likely. And then, you know, you have the secondary behind them that, returns all but one starter, you know, they're a veteran group. I think they have to feel good about, you know, the choices and the options they have in terms of that dime rabbits package when they want to just pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. Um, but it'll be fascinating to kind of see how it plays out and maybe who we see on the field the first time we see that against Miami. You know, I don't know if fascinating uh, is an adjective anybody's ever used when they've listened to this podcast, but I've had fun today, Charlie. <laughs> You know, and that's kind of all that matters, right? I mean, I, we do this podcast for you and me, and that's pretty much it. Isn't that correct? That's true. It's been therapeutic. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, we've we've spent so much time at home, you know, to be able just to, and we haven't seen it each is other true. Practice yeah. since, what, 2019? Yeah. I think so, there's going to be like chariots of fire, you know, music <laughs> playing behind a 
the the backdrop of Friday's practice. If in fact we we do get to go out, so it right. could be, yeah, you know. It, it is one thing we've we've talked about it this this past year made you realize how much time you do waste though standing outside of the mountain oh, wow. building waiting yeah. for practice to start. Um, so it is kind of a little bit of a, a double edged sword. You know, that that's part. the only time I've had, all that time that you're talking about. It's the only time I've ever sat around and said, you know, maybe I should have took up smoking because this would be the perfect <laughs> time to smoke like three Marlboro Reds. You know, instead of just sitting here looking at each other like we're all creepy or something. Yeah, I mean, I, Kirk doesn't go to a lot of the practices, but that's the time for him to step outside and smoke a cigar. And yes, uh, uh, yes, envious <laughs> of Kirk in those scenarios. Yes, but no, it it will be. It it sounds like everything is pointing to us going back to practice, at least for you know some of the outdoor practices, and that will be nice to go and get back into the swing of things. I'm a I'm a creature of habit. I like the season because mm-hmm. it's very structured. And to be able to go back out there and to write practice reports. I know people like those. They're mundane. They can be repetitive. But, you know, if anything changes, we tend to notice it. And um, that'll be good to get back out there and to do that. It'll be strange because it felt like it's been, you know, several years since we've done it. But it'll be good to get back out there. And you're right. It doesn't sound like much. But in in all my years with with BOL, nearing 20 now, I I can safely say I I think our practice reports are – the block on which our team coverage have always been built upon. And Charlie does an exceptional, exceptional job of carrying that on for us over the last several years. So we always look forward to that as a part of fall camp and the season in general as well. All right, Charlie, I'll let you out of here. It was fun. It was, we still don't have a media schedule, but fingers crossed we'll get one sooner rather than later. Yeah. And can promise you as soon as we know, You'll know with us there at BamaOnline.com. We always appreciate you tuning in here to the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription? Never a better time than right now to subscribe both to BamaOnline.com and also this here podcast, the Bama Online Podcast. Leave us a rating and a review while you're there. That would help us out a lot as well. For Charlie Potter, Travis Schreier, thanking you again for joining us. We'll talk to you again on the Bama Online Podcast real soon.